Welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette coming to you the day after primary day. Well, we know some things and we don't know a lot uh, because, in part, because uh, the primaries were crowded and competitive and there was so much on the ballot, in part because of the expansion of absentee balloting, in part because of the start of the use of ranked choice voting. So there are a lot of layers to these elections. Um, There's some things we know. There's some things we don't know. We're digging into both of those. Some of the things that we can take away from primary day and the election thus far and some of what to watch for going forward. We have a great show for you today. In just a couple minutes, I'm going to be joined by Mara Gay of the New York Times editorial board. The Times editorial board endorsed in the three big races that were on the ballot in the primary, the Democratic primaries for mayor, city controller, and Manhattan district attorney. And all three of the candidates that the Times editorial board endorsed got a seemingly enormous boost from those endorsements. So Mara Gay of the New York Times editorial board will join me shortly to discuss the choices they made in those three races, how those candidates are doing, and what comes next. Those candidates, of course, were Catherine Garcia in the mayoral primary. Now, she's in third place, but she has far outpaced expectations in this race so far, and she's one of the three candidates in the mayoral primary that have a shot to win of any kind. The favorite there, of course, is Eric Adams, who has a roughly 80,000 vote lead, roughly nine percentage points over Maya Wiley, who is a little bit ahead of Catherine Garcia. And those are the three candidates in the running as we wait to count absentee ballots and do the ranked choice runoff. In another race that the Times endorsed in, in the Democratic primary for controller Brad Lander, city council member from Brooklyn, is surprising some people by outpacing city council speaker Corey Johnson by uh, also about 60, 70,000 votes and nine percentage points in the controller primary. Brad Lander looking like he's in very good shape there going into absentees and ranked choice runoff. Again, these races are not called and they won't be for weeks. And then in the third race that the Times editorial board weighed in on, Alvin Bragg for Manhattan District Attorney in the Democratic primary. He is leading Tali Farhadian Weinstein by 7,000 or so votes. And that is not a ranked choice election. It's technically a state office. Ranked choice voting only applies to city offices, as you Manhattan voters out there may have found out by getting to the voting booth, unless you've been listening to the show, uh, getting into the voting booth and realizing you had a lot of ranked choice elections on your ballot. And then the Manhattan District Attorney primary was not a ranked choice election. So that is just most votes wins. There's no runoff of any kind there, nothing. So Alvin Bragg, 7,000 votes up, about three and change percentage points. And that will come down to what the absentee ballots look like. And there are tens of thousands of absentee ballots in Manhattan. There's tens of thousands more across the city. So there is a lot still to be counted in all these races, whether there's ranked choice voting runoffs at play or not. We're not going to get into all the mechanics of ranked choice voting here on the show today. Those resources are out there in case you're still fuzzy on those. But soon on the show, Mara Gay will join me to discuss the Times' endorsements in those three big races and the impact the endorsements 
uh, seem to have had contributing. You know, it's hard to measure these things, but there are there are some metrics, including the fact that Catherine Garcia, I believe, had her biggest fundraising day of the race right after The Times endorsed her and some other things like that that you can point to, but also it's obviously part of a bigger picture. So we'll get Mara's thoughts on the role that the Times editorial board played, as well as her broader thoughts on these big races. Later on in the show, after that, I will be joined by David Friedlander of New York Magazine. He has written a lot on the mayoral race. He's been on the show before. With David, a little later in the show, we'll really dig into the front runner. Uh, who continues to be the front runner now that we've seen hundreds of thousands of in-person votes cast and tallied, and that's Eric Adams. As I mentioned, David, one of David's most recent pieces was on Eric Adams, and it uh, raised a lot of eyebrows and also seems to have uh, uh, caused a, a little bit of flack from the Adams camp back towards David Friedlander that we'll ask him about and get into that later in the show. And then in our last segment today in this jam-packed hour, we will have Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney candidate who is leading the Democratic primary thus far. Alvin Bragg will join me later in the show at around 540. So stay tuned for the full hour with Mara Gay, David Friedlander and Alvin Bragg all coming up. So let's talk about this mayoral race a little bit more before Mara Gay joins me. We have Eric Adams at roughly 32 percent of the in-person votes that have been tallied. We know there's been somewhere in the neighborhood of 800,000 plus votes in turnout is looking at least in raw numbers, like it's an increase from the last wide open city election cycle back in 2013. So many differences between now and then, uh, but turnout looking in raw numbers slightly up. We're going to have to crunch the percentages eventually and see what that looks like. Like I said, there are um, many tens of thousands of absentee ballots still to come in, probably well over 100,000 across the city. We're waiting on the final numbers in terms of what the Board of Elections has received, but uh, those can come in all the way until a week after primary day, as long as they're postmarked on primary day or earlier. And so we won't know that again for about another week. The Board of Elections is going to do a rank choice simulation on June 29th, which I think may be a little bit misguided because it's going to give people a false impression that the rank choice voting instant runoff has actually been done when they're just going to do what they have so far in terms of in-person votes and not having counted the absentee votes yet. So there's a little bit of strange stuff coming up in terms of what the public's going to know, uh, but we will get a sense next week of the in-person votes, and that's the bulk of the votes, right? The, the, there's 800,000 plus in-person votes, maybe another 100, 150,000 absentees. So the in-person votes, we're going to get a better sense. Right now, all we know is the first rank that people put. And what we're going to get a better sense of next week is who filled out their full ballot, who ranked more than one candidate, who ranked two candidates, three candidates, four or five, uh, and, and what a lot of those rankings look like. And we're going to get a simulation of the rank choice voting runoff uh, out of the Board of Elections next week, even though that will not be official results. It will not be final results because it still will not have the absentee ballots included. So a lot going on in the mayoral race, three candidates who have any 
chance to win. Eric Adams, Maya Wiley, Catherine Garcia, other candidates have conceded or have no mathematical chance to win. Andrew Yang gave concession remarks. He's looking like he'll finish in fourth place uh, last night and had quite a stunning fall from where he entered the race. Uh, and then Scott Stringer, also a, a fairly stunning fall from where he thought he would be and many thought he would be in this race. He's going to look he's looking like he'll wind up in fifth place in this race. A lot to watch for there. A lot to watch for in the city controller absentees and ranked choice tally, whether Brad Lander can hold on to this fairly wide lead that he has. The opportunity there for a change in the results would be if Corey Johnson winds up having been the number two choice on the ballot on the ballots of many, many voters who voted for other candidates who will be eliminated in the instant runoff. And that's not an impossibility in part because Corey Johnson was the generally the best known figure in that race being the city council speaker. And it's also an interesting situation where Brad Lander running pretty much furthest to the left in that crowded field. Sometimes in ranked choice voting, when you have someone who's sort of running on one of the polls, whether it's to the right or to the left, they don't always make it uh, as the second or third choice on that many ballots of other of voters of other candidates. So that'll be interesting to watch to see if that that holds up and a whole lot more. I didn't even get into here the borough president races, the city council races. There was so much on the ballot. As those of you who voted saw, we have a full rundown of, of results so far in many of the races at Gotham Gazette. And there's plenty of other resources out there to find if you're looking for more information. All right, let's bring on our first guest today. Very happy to welcome back to the show, Mara Gay, who is a member of the New York Times editorial board. Mara, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Ben. So uh, your initial reactions as you've seen what's come in, let's start with the mayoral race. Um, When you saw the tallies of the in-person votes that we have so far, roughly 800,000 votes, and you see uh, the standings with Eric Adams with a sizable lead in those votes, followed by Maya Wiley and Catherine Garcia and Andrew Yang and Scott Stringer and so on. What was your initial sort of takeaway of, of the results that we have so far? Yeah, you know, um, I'm still parsing through it like everybody, but I think that the fact that turnout was higher than it was in the last competitive race in 2013 was just so good overall for New York. I had been very worried about turnout just because people's day-to-day lives in much of the city have been so interrupted and difficult because of COVID. Um, So that's just a win all the way around. I think progressives, uh, you know, they really had a hard time getting their act together this year. It was the expectations were pretty low. Um, That said, I think they outperformed those expectations. Maya Wiley did very well. Um, And I think obviously Brad Lander, Alvin Bragg. So um, I think they have a deeper bench in the city council in the years ahead. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. But also, I mean, the big takeaway for me here is that working class, black and Hispanic New Yorkers um, really saw Eric Adams as a fighter for them, somebody who understands them, their needs, um, and will uh, work for them. And I think given... The fact that those are the communities that largely have um, suffered disproportionately over the past year, 
I think that we may all have some lessons there. I think probably I'm one of the reporters. A bunch of us probably need to be spending some more time in Southeast Queens and some more time with working class black voters of 32BJ, uh, for example, to get a sense for what uh, they're going through right now and why they voted the way they did. And uh, and your editorial board, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, endorsed Catherine Garcia in the race, gave her a really big jolt at the time, really catapulted her from someone that a lot of people who you know, sort of pay close attention to this stuff were impressed by and interested in, but thought she might have a really hard path to victory. And then once um, the Times editorial board got behind her, she really shot into the top tier of the top tier conversation had a huge, you know, fundraising response to that. And then all of a sudden she was really catapulted in in the polls. She seems to have been uh, doing very well in Manhattan, especially. Um, but to your prior point, seems to not have really broken through, at least in first place votes, first rank votes with in communities of color. Talk a little bit about what you saw, you know, saw from her candidacy and the response to her and the role you, you know, the role you think the Times editorial board played in in catapulting her candidacy. Sure. You know, the Times editorial board is a proudly progressive and openly progressive editorial board. Um, Certainly, maybe not as progressive as some in the city um, might want, but we are progressive. And, um, you know, we saw Catherine Garcia as uh, the best person to execute on um, the things the city needs through that prism. Uh, she may not be as far to the left as we are on certain issues, but we felt strongly that she could be pushed um, and that she was a really good manager who could kind of get the job done, um, as she said in her campaign. Um, obviously, you know, the voters felt differently, and so I I think I'm, I'm very proud of our decision. I mean, I think that she was the best candidate and she was the right candidate for for us. Um, at, but at the same time, I think that there's a lot of talent in the race. And I think, um, you know, Maya Wiley uh, is a proof positive that there's a lot of progressive energy. I also suspect that a lot of Garcia voters may have put Wiley second. Uh, I don't think they're that far apart in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You know, on top of that, you know, Eric Adams, I think for me at the editorial board, my only regret is that um, our endorsement doesn't hold the same sway in East Flatbush that it holds in Park Slope or on Park Avenue. And so to me, that says um, there's more work to do. And uh, I really believe strongly that we should be as much of a voice as possible for the entire city. And so uh, I, I won't rest until, mm-hmm. until we make some headway there. And is that, um, you know, is that a reflection of the fact that what impresses, you know, a newspaper editorial board from someone's career and from someone's interviews with you and, and all the vetting that you do? is very different from the fact that Eric Adams has been working uh, and developing relationships in these communities for decades Um, is, is, you know, what's, how do you sort of think about the disconnect there? Is it, is it understanding uh, better sort of why many communities responded the way they did to Eric Adams, or is it trying to, you know, figure out a way for the board's opinions to really get in front of more voters and have more weight in different communities? 
I mean, I think it's all of the above, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think in order to make a more persuasive argument, uh, we need to better understand um, voters and communities that we didn't reach um, as as effectively. Um, And so, you know, I I mean, I'm feeling good today, right? I really am. Mm -hmm. But I also think um, there's hopefully always room for self-reflection. And I think there's an opportunity here. Um, listen, black Americans in general, I think specifically have had such a traumatic and, and disappointing history with mainstream newspapers. And this is something that we've, you know, my colleagues have written about in the pages of the New York times. I mean, we're doing so much better. Um, there's so much thought that's put into this, but I think because of that history, um, there's a lot of, uh, trust or lack of trust to overcome. And also just some folks who just aren't familiar with our work. And so I, I really think it's on us to, to do that work. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to, to be a part of that. But I, I also think it's about, I don't know that we would have endorsed somebody differently, to be clear. I just think it's a, a, someone different. I just think it's a question of, um, you know, are we understanding the city, uh, all of the city best we can? And how do we make the most persuasive case uh, to all voters? And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, you have to look at the maps and, and say, we have some work to do. Um, and that's, that's okay. I mean, that's an opportunity. At least that's how I see it. Yeah. And, and I want to get to the two other big races that you endorsed in. And clearly in all three, you know, the Times editorial board endorsement seems to have really helped catapult, um, you know, along with along with many other factors, of course, but really helped catapult your endorsed candidates. Um, I mentioned at the top of the show, Catherine Garcia, Brad Lander for Controller and Alvin Bragg for Manhattan D.A. And Alvin will join me later on the show. Um, the. Maya Wiley is is in the in the middle of Eric Adams and Catherine Garcia in the standings of the vote as of now. A lot more votes to be counted and the ranked choice uh, rollout to to happen. Remind uh, listeners and and New Yorkers just sort of one. Replace your notebooks. What sort of concerned you about Maya Wiley and one. Part of the, you know, her candidacy that you're very sort of encouraged or excited about as she still has a shot to win, as does Garcia. Well, you know, I think I just want to be uh, clear that our endorsement for Catherine Garcia was based on Catherine Garcia and how strong we thought she was um, mm-hmm. as a candidate and potential mayor. Um, it wasn't so much about the, the flaws of other candidates. I mean, I think... You know, we were looking for someone with significant management experience, given what the city is going through. And I think um, Maya Wiley has a lot of really impressive experience, life experience and career experience in and out of City Hall. But, um, you know, her resume is not necessarily as classically strong on the management side. Um, and that's just kind of where we were coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but at the same time, I, I think that you know her policy platform is probably not that sim- not that dissimilar to where we are on so many issues, um, and so I think uh, that was obviously true for a whole lot of progressive voters. I also just, I mean, before we move off the mayor's race, sure. there's been uh, this narrative before and after this election. I think that's kind of troubling that um, progressives in the city are. Uh, only white voters 
And I just, I reject that. Um, obviously, I'm a black progressive myself, but I think that there is a multiracial, um, really kind of millennial-based coalition that uh, is not just white or white and black, um, is, is quite diverse, that is very progressive. And I actually think it breaks down not just along racial lines, but um, along generation, generational lines. And also, I think if you look at a map of renters versus people who own their own homes, you might find um, some really interesting trends. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to uh, nerding out on more of those maps. But mm-hmm. um, that's my initial thought on that. Well, and and Maya Wiley's ultimate strength uh, in the race is, you know, at least something of a testament to that. Um, and that very much relates to the next race we should chat about, which is Brad Lander's lead in the city controller race, which, again, just like Catherine Garcia shooting up um, in the mayoral race, it seems like the Times editorial board's boost for Brad Lander in the controller race was fairly immense. Um, what do you make of that and and what excites you about his his candidacy again we we don't you know we're not declaring any victors here but he's got a a a sizable lead in that primary as we head towards absentees and ranked choice voting yeah you know that was a really tough race because i think there was so much talent in it um brian benjamin super strong Corey johnson another great public servant um and so it was kind of an embarrassment of riches i think brad lander it was clear that he really, really wanted the job, had thought a whole lot about um, how to use that office to do the, the most good he could. Um, and he's also just an extremely hardworking public servant. Um, and that came across. I think it'll be a great uh, balance to have. If we if we do end up having a Mayor Adams, um, I do think it'll be a nice balance to have Brad Lander um, pushing from the left. I think it should be very interesting um, along with the city council. And I think, look, he's been a great advocate over the years for kind of the downtrodden, right? I mean, I think um, his work on the District 15 integration plan in Brooklyn, which was, uh, you know, the commu- a community-based plan to integrate schools um, in uh, across several neighborhoods in Brooklyn that had been very racially segregated, Brad Lander uh, really helped put that on the map at City Hall along with um, parents and other organizers. And, you know, he had to convince his own uh, council district, his own constituents to to get on board with that. And I just thought that showed such conviction and political courage. Um, and I thought that, I mean, that really, I think for me personally, may have kind of been one of the things that put me over, over the top mm-hmm. um, for him. But so I'm, I don't know what... Um, what the first thing he'll do is, but I'm certainly, I'm certainly excited to see him bring that energy uh, back to city hall in a new role. And in terms, yeah. And in terms of what you, you know, in a a lower information race like that, I mean, you know, the mayor race, mayor's race obviously dominated so much of the news and people's bandwidth if they were paying attention to the election cycle. What do you think, you know, the seal of approval from the times did for him? You know, my hope is that, um, Readers and New Yorkers know that even if you don't agree with our endorsement, which is totally fine, um, we are thinking about um, 
what is good for New York, good for uh, the city, especially, you know, with an eye toward the most vulnerable New Yorkers and those who need the most help. Um, I I hope that it's clear that we, um, you know, we take this rule very seriously. I certainly do. I mean, um, it's not just enough to agree with a candidate. Uh, we want to know that they can get the job done, that they're serious uh, and that they are ethical. And that's not to say that other candidates we endorse this cycle are not are not those things. But that's what we are looking for in candidates. And, um, you know, I hope that we can serve as a guide. And I think with Brad Lander, um, you know, there's a lot of progressive energy in the city right now. So um, uh, my hope is that we can kind of help guide voters to, hey, we've we've done some of this work for you. And um, here's who we think is really impressive or can really get this job done um, or is really a star and somebody who's going to be a great public servant. Um, So I see this as public service journalism. And, um, you know, we are, I'm always learning. I'm still learning um, about Mm -hmm. how this works. Um, It's a huge responsibility, obviously. Yeah. Um, And and before I let you go, unfortunately, I just have one more minute. But um, Alvin Bragg is leading the Manhattan district attorney race, immensely important race. Uh, Again, like almost all these races across the city, the Democratic primary winner is almost assured to win the general. What, um, you know, understanding we have absentee ballots to count. What um, what excites you about the possibility of Alvin Bragg as the next Manhattan district attorney? I mean, this is just so exciting. It's obviously if if Alvin Bragg does win this race, he will become the first black prosecutor in Manhattan. Um, it's historic. But not only is he uh, simply African-American, as I am, right, but he is just extremely qualified um, to do the job and keep New Yorkers safe, but also to be uh, to bring real reform to this office. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's just an upstanding ethical guy, nice guy. And I am uh, very proud for whatever role we may have played in um, helping give him a chance to uh, bring fairness and safety um, to Manhattan. And a quick last thought, even if all three of these candidates somehow wind up losing, which doesn't look likely, but your your board's endorsement obviously helped all three in a in a significant way, uh, if, if not immense way. Is there is there sort of a takeaway for you in that? Is there a message about, the, you know, the sort of revival of the voice of an editorial board or, um, you know, anything about the role in, in the local political scene uh, that you didn't mention before that you're sort of thinking about today? You know, I'm going to have to leave that to, to you and others. I think <laughs> I'm just um, super focused on, you know, uh, doing doing the best job that I can and and hopefully, um, you know, learning as much as I can about what New Yorkers are going through and, um, you know, who the best public servants are to help lead us out of a really difficult time into a better day. All right, Mara Gay, really appreciate the time and the thoughts and uh, uh, congratulations on the impact uh, that you've uh, apparently had here as, a, as an editorial board. And we'll see what the final numbers look like and, of course, be checking in with you in the near future. But thanks for the time. Thanks so much, Ben.